We have almost forgotten that we are in a great mortal combat. The battle of the forces of good and the forces of evil. Today we are beginning either to domesticate the devil or else to deny him. God's definition of himself is I am who I am. The devil's definition of himself is I am who am not. He is most powerful when he is denied. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. My name is Jesse Romero. You're listening to War College. Yep, on Wednesdays. Our program is called War College, and I usually have two of the instructors from Liber Christu, Dr. Dan Schneider or Kyle Clement. Dr. Dan Schneider is on with me today in War College, but we have some special guests all three of them have done a, a, a have uh, provided a great contribution to the Catholic Church in this time of compute and confusion of gender and the role of a man, the role of a woman. The three people I have on today, Dan Schneider, Timothy Gordon, Stephanie Gordon, have done a great uh, provided a great contribution for the Catholic Church and society at large because they have written books. Uh, Tim Gordon has written a book called "The Case for Patriarchy." Stephanie Gordon has written a book called Ask Your Husband. (laughs) The title says it all. And Dan Schneider is coming out with a book uh, in the next couple of months. It's already in production through uh, 10 books. It's going to be called Liber Crystal Field Manual. All three of them have outlined clearly the role of male and female. And I guess you guys have upset the apple cart with a lot of uh, secular humanists and a lot of... uh, uh, a lot of Catholics that are uh, have bought into the culture of death. Hey, Dan, Dan, welcome. Timothy uh, and, and Stephanie, welcome to War College. Thank yeah, welcome. Thank you. And thanks for having the Gordons on. This is a, this is a, I think, Jesse, I believe is the first time we've actually had a, a female, a woman, a warrior, mama bear on the, on the show. So I think it's fantastic. <laughs> We're breaking grounds here, Stephanie. This is fantastic. <laughs> You're breaking through the glass barriers and all that. Yeah. Well, I can just tell you what, what got my interest was um, in the, the last couple of weeks, I've traveled and spoken at different conferences everywhere from small towns to cities. I hear a lot of people talking about your, your book, Stephanie, Ask Your Husband. And I see a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of women, you know, uh, particularly in tratty circles that are really are reading this book and, and really getting a lot out of it. And it goes completely countercultural to to what we're all being taught in our secular school system and even our overly feminine, effeminate or feminized uh, modern church, if, if I could say, speak it so bluntly. Um, what, what prompted you to write it? What's the, what, you know, what would you, you get, if you had a, a blurb, who's your target audience, that sort of thing. It's an interesting story because I didn't actually set out to write this book. I was actually approached by Tan to write it based on my old uh, Twitter handle <laughs> Your husband, where I was basically always in a contretemps with these feminists. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm a convert to Catholicism myself, and so you know, my journey from kind of like a secular mindset into a more traditional one has been a very interesting one. And so, I felt it was really I was kind of the right person to speak to some of these women who might be uh, grappling with some of these feminism ideas. Yeah. And Tim, what about you? What uh, made you write your your book, The Case for Patriarchy? 
Well, honestly, it was just learning about the starkness of the the true Christian teaching. I, I say Christian, not even just Catholic, because the, the scripture is so bold. And so uh, unilaterally anti-feminist, which is uh, an anachronistic term. They wouldn't even have thought that way in the Bible. But once I learned about it, it was, it was largely my brother, Dave, who was originally co-author on the book. Uh, now he's doing uh, his, his own that'll come out later in the year that I was like, this needs clearly, <laughs> this needs to be taught about. You can only go to Disney world uh, so many times and see the, the lady <laughs> in front of you and behind you screeching at her husband. You know, your eardrums are bleeding and you're just like, okay, I, I learned about this. I always had a nice wife. We never bought into feminism, but the stark uh, sign of contradiction that is the gospel and is the bimillennial Catholic teaching in the magisterium of the tradition needs to be shouted because something has to drown out the shouting of the shrill women shouting at their husband. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, uh, you, you've basically, the last couple of years that you and me have been talking and, and, and doing some podcasting, this has been your big, uh, you know, your big bone to pick with society because, uh, again, Dan, uh, he helps out. He, he's a he's a facilitator for a, for a, a healing, deliverance, and exorcism team, and he's always talking to me about Jess. If people just understood the role of patriarchy, the role of a father, uh, we would clean up these families from this diabolical, you know, uh, the, these diabolical problems that are occurring. Dan, um, when did you clearly see the importance of starting to teach the role of a man and the role of a woman? What you would what you would call spiritual patriarchy? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just an old calf scout, um, by trade and, uh, and a biblical scholar by, by training. And when you're watching how the demon, the demon patterns out, when you, when you deal with this enough, you see enough cases the, the demon begins to pattern out. And what he, one of the things, one of his tactics is not let us know to learn the rules of engagement. Part of the rules of engagement are, um, the natural law structure and what what the Thomas calls the divine law or divine positive law, the demon's ordered towards that. He's strictly regulated according to those that obje- those objective structures. And you see, I mean, how many times do I have to hear when you have a, a family's afflicted, a household has got you know Amityville horror stuff happening in the house. You've got you've got the wife that is getting constant. For example, when you know one specific case recently, the wife is getting constant diabolical projections. So when does it stop? It stops when my husband walks into the room. Interesting. So, so in fact, we see the opposite. When you see that, um, you know, you, you can see, you know, I've been present in many sessions of exorcism where the husband at the direction of the priest, but the husband lays hands on, his, on, the, on the possessed woman, and it has as much or more effect on the, on the energumen as the prayers of the priest. It just, because so, you, you, you're bringing both avenues of authority upon the demon. The demon must respond, but what he, what he, he will yield or not yield based on three things. And, and, and this is something that, that, that Father Ripperker has put out very clearly in his new book, Dominion, and, and other places. This is part of the, the inner logic behind our protocol um, with Libra Cristo. Number one, the first thing that the demon will yield, this is not spiritual negotiation. This is warfare, and he will yield or not yield according to three things. Number one, does this person have requisite authority over the object, the place, or the person? If he doesn't have authority, the demon does not have to yield. 
Number two is, what is the state of merit? What is the state of grace, the depth of holiness? So if you have a husband, the demon doesn't respond to the husband's commands, then it's a very dangerous situation because now you've got a dirty husband, you know, and you've got to clean that garbage up, whatever he's bringing into the family. And third is specifically, what is the petitioner asking? Specificity in prayer, asking you shall receive. So when, so what we try to do is identify areas that, that, that are blocking the flow of grace according to the authority structure, make sure they work within their lane, stay in their lane of authority structure, um, that they, that are, they're in a state of grace, that the merit of their prayer is in a high, heightened state so that, so that it becomes, this, these are the plus P rounds, um, the, 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 the holiness of the petitioner, and, and then finally getting people to specifically begin to pray. Even I've seen many, many times where a husband will pray over his wife and invoke by the authority of natural law given to me by God the Father Almighty over this flesh. This is the language that the demon responds to, because these are the rules that he's bound by. According to his own nature, the own natural law, according to him and his choir, the choir of his creation and, the, and, and his condition and state of his fall, this, he's bound by these rules as well. Dan, that's why when I talked to you about the Gordons and I said, hey, Dan, uh, this is a young couple that they, they've written these books about everything you've been teaching for years uh, patriarchy and, and you know the case for patriarchy and ask your husband Dan said Jess I got to meet this couple I've heard about them he goes these guys get it how can they be so young and they understand what most people don't understand because Dan again you know Dan sees this all the time as a case facilitator uh, on an exorcism team and so Tim and, and Stephanie congratulations you guys are tracking in the right direction your books if read and applied are going to be a boon to the body of Christ. They're going to help out so many people because the reason there is a lot of uh, diabolical affliction within the family, and, and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, it's that there's, there is disorder in many Catholic families because guys don't know their roles and women don't know their roles. And both of you have done a great contribution to the Catholic Church because you guys have clearly given the case, guys, this is what you're supposed to do. Women, here's what you're supposed to do. Stay in your lane. Tim, comments? Stephanie, comment? You know, I was actually just, when I was hearing what he was just saying, I was just like, oh, I wish I would have put that in the book. I know. Yeah, it's, oh gosh, I just, I just got like, you know, overwhelmed with emotion over that. That was, that was, that was just great. But yeah, it really is the mindset. Women are saying, I will not serve. And the husbands are saying, I will not require her to serve. So the disorder in the family is just paramount. Sorry, Tim. Yeah. yeah no, um, the, the, the thing that makes Dan's point almost like a, a proof text, a, a, a true proof text for what we're saying and what would make me want to have it in case for patriarchy or Steph having to ask your husband is the simple historical fact laying in front of all of our vision like some sort of purloined letter, an obvious truth, that the original sin was Adam standing down, giving up his authority, and, and Eve commandeering it. All of the patristics, guys, Jesse and Dan, all of the patristics say the original sin would not have happened if Adam would have been doing his job. All of them say Eve fell first. Mm -hmm but not Adam. All of them are, are trying their hardest to explicitly state that feminism is the original sin and it caused everyone to fall. And the demon, Jerome says this in his commentary, the demon knew this. That's why he approached the woman. He knew that the key to unlocking the schwerpunkt, the, the weak spot, the blind side of human beings was feminism and all the other evils follow upon feminism let's let's continue on that track 
You're listening to War College. We're back, War College. My name is Jesse Romero. We've got uh, Dan Schneider. We've got Tim Gordon and Stephanie Gordon, three people that uh, really understand the depth of uh, patriarchy, matriarchy, the role of a man and a woman. Dan, I'd like to ask you a question. So what are the two ends of the authority structure that we see that Tim was just commenting on? Yeah, in the, in the, in the, in the, the developed tradition of the church, we understand that the authority structure has twofold ends. One is to provide and one is to protect. And so, um, and so part, when, you, when you stay within the authority structure, as we say it in military term that, that we use in the, in, in the, that I learned in the army is stay in your lane. Um, if you stay in your lane, you stay within the authority structure, you're, you're, you, will, you will find protection. Um, and the person that is given the duty of authority is, is to provide and protect. It doesn't mean you have to ask your husband, what color, what shirt should I wear? Can I wear this dress? In fact, uh, you know, I have a PhD. I'm a combat veteran. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a former, you know, amateur fighter. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, I've got an otherwise normal, healthy intellect, and I will sit. In, I could sit in my closet for 20 minutes deciding what shirt to wear. My wife will say, "Wear this shirt." That's not usurpation. We're talking about in the spiritual realm, your orientation towards evil. The demon will look to you first as the man because he knows the structure. And he will. And what the goal is often to, to cause a fracture. When we sit down and talk to the to these couples, oftentimes what you see is the woman is being afflicted. The husband doesn't want to be bothered. He wants to watch football and drink beer. He doesn't really care about cleaning up his life. But and, and he won't engage until I explain to him, look, the marriage is under attack or the marriage has received this or that curse. But the, the target is the children, your nine year old daughter. That's the target, her virginity. That's the target. Are you willing to suffer and sacrifice for them? Are you willing to engage family for them? And so, um, but that structure to provide and to protect um, both physically and spiritually, the temptations now, the opposite, um, the temptations since the fall are going to be those who have been given the duty of authority and obligation of authority um, will, will be tempted to abdicate authority. And those that are under authority will be tempted to usurp authority. And we do it all the time as lay people. We're always kind of usurping authority, priestly authority at our parish, usurping the authority of our bishop. Everything works, has to work in right order. And that keeps us safe and, and protected, specifically when we're, we're dealing with the diabolic. Dan, could I ask, are the temptations primarily natural means? It seems like they are, even using Adam and Eve as a guide. Are the temptations, are, are they natural? Yeah, the, the temptations for usurpation of, of male authority, they seem to be natural to me from anecdote oh yeah yeah they're, they they do flow from our fallen the lower faculties um it's a it's a disorder that was entered into the fall you know even looking at the curses um so-called curses the, the, it's interesting the word that was used um to eve um and your your desire will be for your husband and so a lot of women will just read that and go yeah you know tim's a knucklehead but he's a good guy he steps on it once in a while but he's i love him anyway despite his faults but the, the, it's interesting that this word is only used three times in scripture in Hebrew, and it's used with two different Greek words. And the Greek word can either be your, your, your desire will be either turning away from and rejecting your husband, or it will be to overpower or dominate your husband. And so that's the part of the, the, the effect of the fall on woman is to, is to either just run from it 
from 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 any kind of authority or to usurp it and to over to over to dominate her husband. And for the man, the curse of Adam, of course, is tilling the soil. And we often think that all we have to do is as long as we provide financially, um, provide a house and stability, pay the rent, we're good to go. We've, 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 re we've reached our obligation. But the demon sees it quite differently. The demon knows who's in charge. He knows who's in charge in your household and he will respond accordingly. I could I could all. How's it go, Jesse? All day long, we could do the yeah. we could we could we could lay hands on everybody in town, but the demon responds to the hands that have have conjugal, that have that have the uh, uh, the conjugality and the and the conjugal rights shared with the body of the of the person praying. The demon Tim, knows that. Tim Stephanie, I wish I would have introduced you guys to uh, to Dan before you guys wrote your books, as he would have wrote an amazing forward for both of your books because he he yeah. gets this, he gets this. <laughs> He's been talking, he's been talking to this for years with me, Jess, you know, this case that I'm working with right now of, 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 of an energumen who's possessed. Here's and every single week he tells me and stuff about a lot of the cases that he's worked. And it always flows from the demons respond in these cases of, you know, house hauntings or exorcisms. They respond to the authority of a Catholic priest or a husband. And so that's why I said, Dan, you got to meet this couple. He goes, yeah, I want to meet yeah, yeah. them. May but, I uh, Dan a question because I'm just I'm just sitting here just like just enjoying every single thing that he's saying I get the criticism a lot that I am cherry picking scripture verses specifically related to man's headship over the wife even though there's 10 plus that are all corresponding and relating to one another I would like to ask Dan and what would you say to the um the Catholic feminist or any feminist in general that says oh well that's just out of context all these verses about the husband's headship over the wife yes yeah, specifically these can we read them um uh, a guy called Fulton, I think he's a Protestant biblical scholar, collected them, and, and God bless him for it. It's, the husband is the head of the wife, Ephesians 5. The, wife, uh, the woman being made for the man and not the man for the woman, 1 Corinthians 11. Therefore, the woman is not to usurp authority over the man, 1 Timothy 2, but to be obedient, Titus 2, and 1 Peter 3. Submitting herself, Colossians 3, with reverence, Ephesians 5, and in subjection to her husband, 1 Peter 3. While the husband is to love his wife as his own body, Ephesians 5, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, Ephesians 5, and he is especially to honor his wife because of her weakness and dependence, 1 Peter 3. So are we taking, was Steph taking those um, books of the Bible out of context? No, and I don't think you're. I don't think you're picking. You're 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 falling into any eisegesis as what the claim is or fun. What, what they're going to say is all oh, this is just fundamentalism, Catholicism. But I think you made you made very good arguments um, from from tradition and from from the magisterium as well because we're not sola scriptura. That's a Protestant notion. So scripture is something that helps us understand it. It has a certain primacy. But but we also we also have a developed philosophical and theological tradition. We have we have papal pronouncements. We have uh, you know, the authority, the tradition of the church, um, the writings of the saints and the doctors of the church. And we have the prudential judgment and the prudential experience of people like Father Ripperger and those of us that work with him and other people on different teams. So, no, I think you, you, play, you, you made a very uh, compelling argument. I think what I, what I distinguish between is also um, between feminism and womanism. Um, feminism, by, by definition, would, if you would distinguish between the two, feminism is, is a disordering of the authority structure and it's a disordering of authentic womanism. You know, I was, I was, somehow I got a pop-up um, on, on, on this, uh, it was two MMA fighter, female women fighters that just seemed totally disordered to me. You know, um, again, that's, 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 that is, it, that is extreme feminism, it, you know, so, um, but womanism is the authentic what does it mean to be woman? And, and part of the authority structure, it isn't that you're lesser. 
think about this. Um, Jesse and I just presented at a conference uh, last weekend on St. Joseph. St. Joseph, one of his titles is head of household. How can that be? He's a human. He was the only one in that household that had original sin. You know, he, he was a fully human, but he was head of household. And then that household were two individuals. One was God. And one was God's perfect creature, Macaulay conceived the mother of God, and he was still head of household. Jesus, it says, in, in the finding in the temple, he went home and he obeyed his parents. So, so we see the law, even Jesus himself lived under the law, the, 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 the law structure that he established. Just so that people out there don't take you out of context, Dan, would you say with a resounding uh, one-word answer, whether or not a Jesus had to obey his parents after he attained his majority. Uh, does, does a grown man have to obey his mother or father? Yes, by 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 virtue of the 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 um, filial piety, we are owe we owe we owe a debt to our parents. And so again, this is how the demons follow the natural law structure. Um, and we understand this. If 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 you're you know you ask your children, can you cut my grass? They, they have an obligation to do that. Or if, if you ask your, 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 your teenager, yeah, he's got to go cut the grass. But let's say he's 35 or 40 years old and you're 80. You ask him, can you cut my grass? With that, I live in, you know, I live in New Zealand, but I can get a hold of a landscaping company. There's a certain obligation that the, the adult child has under filial piety because, because the father's given him life and, and, and the sacraments and raised him in the faith, et cetera. So, yeah, so the adult child, there is, he is, he, there is a certain binding to, from the adult child to, to, to the adult parent. And this is why the demons understand that natural law structure as well. By the way, I just want to say, uh, uh, so let me, so if I have a right to bind, yeah. if I have a right to ask him to cut my grass, there's a certain, there's a certain right that I have, uh, under the natural law structure to, to, to also, to also bind a demon. If that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense, Tim. Yeah. Thanks. Thomas freak out because I'm not a Thomas. So I hope I, I spoke in enough in Thomistic terms. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. There's a it, distinct, a fundamental distinction between the kind of obedience for a kid and honor for a, a grown up. Right. Man. Yeah. It shifts. And, and we see this and 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 we put it in the manual. Father Ripperger's talked much about it. It does shift once they go, once they leave the house and, and the natural law does somewhat comport to the civil law. So, but what's in, what, what, what's interesting is it shifts differently for males and females. Um, so a woman is under her dad's authority until she until she is in a new authority structure. So people come and say, my daughter, you know, she's 25 and she's living with this biker and he's a bad dude. And uh, what do I do? Well, she's still under your authority because she, she is that authority hasn't shifted. So, you know, think about the imagery of, of our marriages. You walk down the aisle with dad. Dad hands the hand to the to the groom, symbolizing I am now giving you the 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 uh, authority. I'm, I'm now placing under your authority. He moves the veil. I have guarded her honor until now. And I'm now giving that honor to you and also the conjugal rights. And so 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 you got a 25 year old daughter that's you know dating the biker. Um, you, you still have spiritual authority. You should, you should be, you, sh you still can have full imprecatory authority over the adult, adult daughter until she's in her own vocation. So, so guys are like, I tell guys, do it, man, get on it. You can, you can, you can continue to pray those prayers because the demon will respond. The, 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 the trick to that is, um, 
it's, it's Jesse and I are fighters. I'm not sure if you were a fighter or did any mixed martial arts, but it's the one, two punch. You set him up with the jab and you hit him with the big hand. So the, the pushing the demon back with a jab, the jab is, I, you know, binding the spirit of a Cupid spirit, unholy attraction spirit. You push the demon back and then you insert whatever prayer we pray for holy attraction. We pray for a desire to reconcile to the church. That the light of Christ would be on my daughter or my son. So they see himself as the father sees him. I see him as the father sees him. So you're projecting prayers into the imagination once you use the authority to push them back because the demon will take your prayer and he'll distort it in the, at, the, at the level of the imagination, the precognition and, 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 and manipulate it as it, as it, and mitigate its effect, if that makes sense. Good stuff. We've got Dan Schneider with Tim Gordon, Stephanie Gordon. We're talking about patriarchy. We're talking about matriarchy, the authority structure as, uh, as set up by God. Uh, Stephanie, my, uh, uh, everywhere I, I'm traveling around the country to give le- lectures here and there, women have your book. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 People are talking about your book. You have uh, you have started a good conversation amongst women. So I want to congratulate you. And women are saying, wow, this lady, this woman gets it. Stephanie Gordon gets it. I'm hearing that more and more. So uh, I want to continue this discussion with all three of you on Patriarch and Matriarchy. This is War College with Jesse Romero. Stay tuned. Stick around. We'll be right back. Fortunately, our society has been involved in patricide. That's the killing of the father since the 60s as a result of modernism, Marxism, and masonry. Uh, we have three people here that get it, and they've, they're doing something about it. Stephanie Gordon, who just wrote a book called Ask Your Husband. Tim Gordon, who wrote a book called The Case for Patriarchy. And Dan Schneider is coming out with a book. Uh, Tan is, uh, is about to release it. It's going to be called Liber Christo, or Liberation Through Christ Field Manual, which once again... Dan writes uh, from cases of demonic possession that demons understand the lines of natural law authority clearly. Dan, can you share one case uh, demonstrating the, the, the role of patriarchy and driving out a demon from a house? Because I know you work on a lot of cases that you share with me. What is one case that jumps out at you that you can share with the Gordons so you can show them how spot on their books are? Yeah, well, first, going back to Tim's earlier uh, question on Scripture, we got to understand that scripture is the referential language of the church. So, so it's where the church goes to, to understand and come up with formulated language, uh, doctrinal language. So, so in a developed ecclesial tradition, what do these things look like? We still look to scripture and to use scripture today. If somebody uses scripture against what they, what they like, that then they'll just call you, you know, uh, fundamentalist or whatever. But I think the way you used it in, in the book is, was, was spot on. Um, one of the things we also n- note is that the evil mil- evil militates to absurdity. So, so what you're putting out there in your books um, are are found foundational, and when we we see the application dealing with the absurd cases, you know, we, uh, just recently there are cases with with Amityville horror type things happening in the home. Um, 
you know, and you, you begin the demon patterns out. So you start to, you start to, that's the part of the manual is to get people to recognize the pattern of the demon. And so, for example, the, in this one case, this guy, I would say when everybody's having nightmares. Okay. Uh, when do they, do they ever not have nightmares? Well, when I, whenever I pray certain binding prayers before we go to bread, everybody sleeps through the night and nobody knows the difference. Everybody wakes up and everybody slept well. And if I'm traveling and I forget to say those prayers, then, then, um, People, the family will report young and old wife, kids. Um, they'll all say, yeah, we all had bad dreams last night. Um, you know, um, or somebody who says, um, I'm, I'm getting all sorts of horrible temptations against my husband. Again, these are extreme cases. I'm getting terrible temptations against chastity, against my husband, projections, telling me my all these lies about my husband. I know they're lies. I know the diabolic projections, but they're very real. Well, when do they stop? When my husband comes into the room, they stop. Or if he lays his hands on me and prays for me, they stop. So we, we see the demon reacting to this multiple times. You know, it just happens again and again and again. The twofold thing is one tapping into the authority structure that your vocation is in. Whatever your vocation is, that's your authority structure. And, uh, and also the discipline of prayer, the, da the daily prayer regimen. So we see people stumbling onto these truths. They're, they're reading Stephanie's book and they're doing Exodus 90. And the demon's lighting up because they're tapping into the, law, the authority structure and the husband is learning how to mortify his body, um, put down the dumb, dumb donuts in the stupid soup, turn the TV off and start praying and sacrificing for his family, taking cold showers, learning to mortify his sexual desires and purify it, purify the marriage bed. Things are starting to come back and people are getting natural uh, uh, self-liberation through these, these two full prongs, which is basically what our protocol does when we're dealing with afflicted people. Tim, let me ask you a question. You've paid a price for standing up for patriarchy. In fact, you were dismissed from a job over in Southern California because you wrote uh, about Black Lives Matter, an absolute truth that they're an, uh, they're an organization that's promoting anarchy, which is uh, the opposite of patriarchy. So you've actually paid a price for uh, standing up for the truth of patriotism, pa patriarchy, and uh, now you've even written a book on it. Uh, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, well, Black Lives Matter is, I think a lot of Americans now know, they didn't know it back on June 3rd, 2020, when I got fired, is that Black Lives Matter, as a matter of fact, wanted to destroy the Western nuclear family. That's code for the Christian family structure. They didn't have much work to do before them because <laughs> it has mostly been done already. Uh, it, so, uh, you know, I pointed that out and I also made a, a tweet or two about Father Father James S.J., uh, Father James Martin, uh, <laughs> and, and that, that also comprised, I think, grounds for the firing. But the point is, the Western patriarchy is already dead. And so right now it's just the vultures with their uh, slim pickings on the, the carrion. I would also point this out. You, you mentioned, Jesse, that in the 1960s, widespread patricide was afoot, right? Well, there's this correlation a lot of folks don't see between the widespread patricide, the killing killing of the authority of fathers anyway, and the literal widespread maternal infanticide, abortion, right? Which is, by definition, abortion is legally guaranteed to be actionable, contractable, only by the mother actually keeping out the father from the decision, usually these happen outside of wedlock. But so as we kill the paternal 
fatherly structure and, and his headship, we also see a, a drastic rise in abortion, which is maternal infanticide in every case. So, and, and this, this is personal. I, I once spent all night on the phone with a, a gangbanger uh, who was a professor friend of mine asked, hey, can I get, get Tim Gordon on the phone? He knows how to deal with this situation. This guy with a, a head tattoo at a local community college was begging and pleading with his girlfriend not to kill their baby. And it took us all night. We ended up getting it. But the point is there's a, a mutually constitutive relationship between killing the authority of the fathers and actually killing the mothers out there who are now freed, they're liberated from that structure, killing babies. That's why this is the um, inverted Eucharist of feminism, abortion. Yeah. I'd like to, just a couple of things. I think, Tim, you have a background in law, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of the, the guy that trained Father Ripperger, of course, we were trained by Father Ripperger, um, defined a demon as a lawyer from hell. Um, and yeah. they follow the law perfectly. They're, they're a lawyer from hell, and they're a, they're a, they're a, you know, they're a 12-year-old with a PhD, right, with multiple PhDs. Um, so this is what we're, we're up against. So what I think you guys have done in, in the, the two books you've written are teaching people the rules of engagement, one of the critical rules of engagement. I'd, I'd be curious, um, Stephanie, from your perspective, once you, once you kind of red-pilled on this as Catholics, um, this understanding of the authority structure, what are some of the fruits of it? What have you, what have you discovered in your home? What have you discovered in your relationship, your marriage? I just, I can't even attest, I can't even speak highly enough about the level of happiness and peace and calm and security and protection as a Catholic woman who embraces tradition and embraces the hierarchy of the church, what it has brought to me in my life. And that was really one of the inspirations for writing the book. You know, I just, I always think about, you know, when you're sitting at mass and there and, and the and priests across America are bracketing Ephesians five, and they're just, they're trying to hide these truths from women that the husband is ahead of the wife. And they're actually buying into like what they, what they, they would be loath to say it and to admit it, but they're buying into a stereotype that women are so hysterical and, and emotional that we can't even just hear the basic truths from our Lord, what he expects of us. Mm -hmm. One of the most beautiful things I think about Catholicism and in my research and the things that I've even come to, you know, I had bad ideas and then came into good ideas was just that God lays out very specifically what he expects of us. And so many of us Catholic women desire greatly to want to know what the truth is. And we just need people, especially our priests and our church to speak loudly and clearly, like this is what the church expects. And once you do that, as a Catholic woman, once you just let down your pride and have a little bit of humility and faith in the church and faith in those in authority over you, your life is so much more peaceful and ordered and makes sense. Yeah, could we, Dan, on, on the, the <laughs> tale of what Steph just said, I would ask you to say a word on this, if you wouldn't mind. I, I ain't running the interview, but the, the demon seems to be an expert at uh, the purloined letter, at hiding in the very front and center the most obvious truths, such that people, you know, the demon seems to be the expert writer of the emperor's new clothes, such that yeah. the masses are missing the most obvious thing. I mean, we, we just cited 10 verses in scripture that put this beyond the pale. Well, I'd also think that um, toward the end of being the author of the emperor's new clothes, the demon is an expert weaver of half truth, half lies or three quarter lies, such as one that came out against Steph's book just seems 
diabolical. One of the reviews was um, there are no there's she doesn't cite any 20th century magisterium as as if it could change. Anyway. Well, I do. I think it's seven. She cites seven <laughs> popes that that um, that repeat the point by Pius XI that wifely work outside the home is an intolerable abuse to be abolished at all costs. So it's seven old popes. versus new fallacy that a lot of these feminists said, well, that was back then. That was back then. They always right. say the same thing. But you got college professors and, and a, a very literate readership going, oh, okay. And no one knows this most obvious truth that even John Paul II, who was, he had flirtations with uh, Christian feminism. Mm -hmm. Even he repeats the points of the bimillennial Magisterium, I'm just asking, why is the demon so good, maybe you could say one word, at hiding the obvious truth behind tawdry, paper-thin lies? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chesterton, who said, I, I think of Chesterton, who said, man could be blind to something so long as it's big enough. And and the same right. old thing works. It's the same old shoot em up And if it works, uh, it, it, it's been working for centuries. It, that, you know, we can trace so much of our own disorder back to the garden. And and so he, he loves to... Pro, pro, keep pushing the lies and to keep the disorder because if you can see disorder between you two between two spouses there's a vulnerability there if you can keep that in a tension of disorder so what happens is and we see this practically you first get married everything your wife or your husband does is cute it's adorable even their even their mistakes or their or their little quirks are funny or you know your wife when you first get married she she's got that kind of snorting pig laugh you think it's adorable but after about five years every time she laughs like that you want to absolutely strangle her well, nothing has objectively changed but the demon now drives you to start looking only at her faults and she starts looking only at your faults because the demon has access to those perceptions. And so those perceptions can become reality to the extent that we allow the demon and don't have purity of thought, word, and deed so that we can discern what are garbage projections uh, and what our own thoughts, what are prayers, you know, and, and, and. We'll be right back. Dan, hold that thought. Go. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Stick around. We'll be right back. War College. My name is Jesse Romero. We've got the Gordons. We've got Dan Schneider. Uh, as I think about Stephanie's book, Ask Your, Ask Your Husband and, and Tim's book, The Case for Patriarchy, it reminds me of what Tertullian said in 215 AD. He said, the first reaction to truth is hatred. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what's going on here because uh, the Gordons have, they, they've basically picked the scab uh, that plagues society <laughs> and uh, that's ex and, and and it's bleeding, and uh, the Gordons are saying, "Hey, you got to deal with this." Then I wanted to, I want you to just mention something a little bit about because uh, Tim asked you about how the demon operates. How is it that the demon operates specifically going after the sacrament of marriage? Uh, the demon has access to our emotions and our memories, which is one of the ways the demons gets us to to, to combat each other. Is that correct? Right. Right. We 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 do some sacramentology when we're when we're working with cases and 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 um, because the premise is that that grace flows objectively in the ordinary way flows into the world through the seven principal means which are the sacraments. So your the sacrament of marriage is where grace flows in. So where are you where where in your life is grace not flowing? So we can get grace 
objectively flowing back into the family. And, and one of the first things a demon does is get you to stop praying for each other. So we stop praying for each other, stop praying together, stop praying for each other. He can start creating that rift and he can start projecting into the imagination. We see it again with possessed cases or high obsession cases. There's a constant diabolic monologue in the mind of the person. They cannot even, they can scarcely tell the difference between their own self-talk their own, their prayers, inspirations from God, and also the diabolic projection. So the demon has access to that data set of our imagination, our memory, the things that visual stimuli throughout the day. This is why having your life ordered to prayer, religious items and articles in, in, in the house, getting rid of all the secular stuff, um, and really having a Catholic home um, is very, very important. But also watching those projections, the presumption of charity towards our spouse is very important. And if you're not praying together, and you're not praying for each other, the demon can get in there and start projecting what he tries to do with individuals. And we see it by the time they get to full possession, he cannot possess the, the higher faculties of the intellect and the will, but he can begin to habituate your reaction to different events in your life. And so he'll, he can try to set up these psychological triggers that now can cause further division. And so, so having that good communication, simple prayers, it doesn't matter what it is. You're praying grace, you pray Compline together every night, or you pray, you know, um, the divine praises right before you go to sleep. The last thing you pray before you go to bed, you launch the praise of the living God and all of his titles and the divine praises. It's, th these are just little tactics to use to, to keep together in prayer. So, because the less we pray for each other, the more the demon can start working and projecting into the imagination, highlighting the faults, manipulating the memories manipulating the memories of, of the past. Um, and what, what a couple has is just they're, they're, they find their relationship is just based on defects and it's defect driven. And so, so working together in holiness is, is absolutely critical. And I think, again, what the, the Gordons have written have just laid down a really good functional, practical application for that, for the average Catholic. Let me ask Stephanie a question. Steph, uh, I'm guessing that ask your husband came after the case for patriarchy. Is that correct, Stephanie? Yes, it did. Actually, it was uh, originally supposed to be a companion piece uh, to uh, Dave and Tim's book, Case for the Patriarchy. So, um, yeah, it was. I was. I kind of wanted it to be a female uh, companion piece where I'm talking directly to women because I know how this culture works. You can't say things unless you're part of the demographic. So I thought, OK, why not me? <laughs> I could be the one that talks straight to them. It's, it's funny. One of our friends actually wrote us the other day and he's like, it's funny that you know, you, you and Steph are creating the national dialogue, if you will, and awareness on uh, feminism. <laughs> so it seems to me like the book, Ask Your Husband, was a natural outgrowth or offspring of the case for patriarchy. In other words, it had to be written because uh, only half of the conversation was being had with Tim's book. And so you figured, okay, I got to fill in the other half of the conversation. Is that kind of the way you, you thought about uh, as you wrote the book? Yeah, because it's one thing to celebrate the patriarchy, which I absolutely do, and Our Lady absolutely did. Um, but as a Catholic woman, there, it goes much further than that. I think there are things that I'm seeing in our society, women just disrespecting their husbands, not following their headship, you know, taking the reins for themselves, the disorder of the family, just kind of the ultra-feminization of, of our culture and not you know, elevating the masculine and really celebrating men. Uh, that That's just been really driving me crazy. So I thought that not only is it a good, um, I guess, kickoff point from you know celebrating the patriarchy but really to address catholic wives and say listen this is these are things that were either passed down to me or i learned from experience that really enrich your marriage make you a better wife and make you a better just catholic woman in general you know every street cop should read both these books i'll tell you why okay this is this uh 
something from my past. The most dangerous call for a street cop is called 415 Family Domestic Violence. Every street cop in the inner city gets probably about in an eight-hour shift, you're going to get two of those calls. They are the most dangerous. This is where cops get hurt more than any other call. This is where cops get shot more than any other call. When you go into a house and you try to separate a man and a woman that are that are having issues and that are hitting each other with pots and pans, that's that's a powder keg. And, and I, I, I was I, I was just talking to some cop friends of mine the other day. I was saying every cop uh, should carry these books in their patrol car and pass them out to every single domestic violence call that they get called on. Because I'm telling you, this is exactly what street cops see. You go into a house, the man is guilty of dereliction. The wife is saying, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. He and then the, the, the wife is, uh, is guilty of uh, usurpation. She just, you know, I am woman watching me roar. And, and, and these calls are nightmares. And I'm just saying... If, uh, if 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 the if the chief of police association across the country, the sheriff's association, would read your books, it would probably be mandatory lectures at at every academy to train these young cops on uh, on again the most dangerous call that's out there. So that's kind of from my law enforcement side. Uh, Gordon's any comments? Jesse, what's the call call sign for when you're at Disney World and you hear on all four sides of you? The domestic abuse publicly of wives yelling at their husband. This is literally what happened the day before I went on Matt Frad's show a couple years ago. We were we were going into Atlanta to do an interview with Matt Frad on feminism, no less. And I was just we were in some line at Disney World, and I was like surrounded on all sides, you know, beset by the besieged. evil of these these besieged by these wives yelling at their husbands. I'm like. Man, I need to I need to get this book written. Yeah, you know it's funny. Can I just address that for a minute? Because I get that critique a lot where women are like, Well, my husband this and my husband that. And we'll be in social settings where women are just complaining constantly about her husband. And of course, we see this on TV and everything. And I'm just to me, it's a funny, it's a funny notion because we're always hearing about women are tough, strong women, and oh, these stupid men need these strong women to tell them how to tie their shoes or screw in a light bulb. And I'm just asking these women who are constantly complaining about their, their husbands, like, wait a second, you're the one that picked this guy that doesn't know how to screw in a light bulb. Right. What does it say about you? <laughs> I'm so sick of the society, like putting forth these strong women and, 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 and totally leaving off the fact that it's like, hey, you're complaining about a guy that you willingly picked who doesn't know how to tie his shoes or do basic things and you're telling me about this? That reflects on you, not on him. <laughs> by, by the way, Gordon's, where can people uh, pick up your books, The Case for Patriarchy, and ask your husband, how can people uh, uh, obtain your book? Well, Case for Patriarchy is a Sophia Institute press book on its crisis imprint and uh... – Ask Your Husband is a tan book. So they prefer that you go to their websites, but everyone just goes to Amazon to get a boat, if we're being honest. So. <laughs> the Dark Lord. 
who shall be will remain unnamed yes it's funny because all these feminists on my book in particular what they're doing is they're hearing about it in like facebook chat groups and women what i guess what their their natural response is to go and just complain and so they're they're going to amazon and they're leaving one star reviews and they're they're all just funny if you actually look at it it, it, it's actually quite entertaining to read the one stars it's clear that they didn't read it they're just going there to i guess protest um, the book, but yeah, <laughs> if anybody has read the book and they actually liked it and agreed, I would appreciate a, a fair review, a fair, a fair treatment. <laughs> well, I can just tell you that everywhere we, Jesse and I have gone to different places in the last, since the book has come out, um, I see, a, I see a lot of women walking around reading it, talking about it, like, wow, this is challenging, or I'm really getting a lot out of it. And uh, hey, the truth challenges, you know, and and so anything we can do, we're down. We are we have been dropped in behind enemy lines. You know, this is we're in we're in spiritual and physical red dawn territory right now. And so we, we have to we have to learn all the full gamut of all the weapons that are available to us as Catholics to fight these battle in our home. Right. You know, th- this is the thing that that husbands, especially the younger couples that are listening that they need to read this and, and, and really grasp it because we're seeing the opposite side. I mean, we see the extreme end of it and we're trying to rebuild that structure to drive demons out of people. But learning what you guys are, have, have stumbled upon through your own experience and your own, your own uh, personal experience and your own training, um, it, you're, you're, you're getting things back in order. In fact, the word that Paul uses in Ephesians is um, be, be subordinate, be obedient. That word is upotasso. The that's a that that's that's like an army in battle array. There's an order. There were plenty of there were plenty of officers over me when I was in the military that were kind of inept. But you know what? They told me to execute this command. I executed it because if I didn't, um, I would you know I would find myself in a lot of trouble. So you the ordering under doesn't mean one is better than the other. So so even the word that that the helpmate auxilia in Latin. That's a cat. That's what the cab guys are. Cab scouts and the cab they they the the heavy infantry is the main that was the that's how the bat the battle was fought in the ancient warfare the calves were absolutely essential and the, and so the woman is kind of like the calf scout to the family she's the eyes and ears of the family but the one that's going to engage with heavy infantry steel on steel metal on metal that needs to be the man because that's what the demon is going to respond to it might sound like a crude analogy but there are so many scriptural terms that are based on military even the driving out the garrison demoniac so there's multiple phrases in there legion is is a military term um, the, the, the ordering of that, um, the, the, even the symbol of the boar was a symbol of the Roman heavy infantry. So, so we, we see military combat language in spiritual combat. And part of it is knowing your role. If I'm out there as a cab guy and I try to, and I try to go out and, and take on a heavy tank of the enemy, I might get taken down. But I can tell, I can tell the guys where they are and I can, I can do my part to disrupt the battle so that the heavy tanks can go in and the heavy armor can go in and fight. That's so what that's- that's- that's a wrap. I'd like to. That's thank it. Well done. Hey, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys coming oh, on. We might need to extend the conversation again. Let's do it another time. Let's get in touch. Let me Love you guys. Peace. Thank, thank you, Gordons. God bless you. Thank you for coming on. Talk to you soon. Up next, Gary Machuda, Hands On Apologetics. We're out. End of watch. E O W. End of watch. God bless you. <laughs>